an old chairman of the board said, we'll never have an ATM in this town, <laughs> never. And then, of course, now we've got yeah. one on every corner. And, and I truly just tried to be a source of encouragement to community bankers across the country that if a rural country boy from northwest Alabama <laughs> who's got an accent that sometimes it's hard to understand can do this, then anybody across this country has the same opportunity. Welcome to the Operate Podcast, where we give you a behind-the-scenes look at company building from the perspective of the builders themselves. This is how we operate. Welcome to the Operate Podcast. I'm Kerry Ransom. Today's episode is sponsored by Bank Tech Ventures, the first strategic investment fund designed by the community banking industry for community bank innovation and investment. Bank Tech identifies leading products and technologies for community banks and works with the founders and management teams to maximize their impact for community banks and their businesses. If you're a bank looking to innovate, invest in the future, or a founder who wants to work with community banks, reach out to Bank Tech Ventures at banktechventures.com. Well, my guest today is Brad Bolton, the immediate past chairman of the Independent Community Bankers of America, or also known as ICBA. He's an active, vocal, and respected leader in the community banking industry. And I feel very fortunate to have uh, been able to meet and work with Brad uh, over the last couple of years. He also is active as a banker. He's president and CEO of Community Spirit Bank, which is based in Red Bay, Alabama. And he is the epitome of a active local community leader. He's engaged fully there. Uh, he's always sharing great photos on social media of uh, himself in the community. And it just, it takes me back to where I grew up, as as many know, uh, in a small town in Indiana. Uh, and I think epitomizes what I love about community banking all in all. And, you know, he he's a second generation community banker he lives and he leads that way. And I know we're going to have a ton to talk about today. Brad, really excited to have you here. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Hey, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's start. It's been, you know, we're, we're coming up to the midpoint of our year and it has been a, an interesting year to be a banker. That is for sure, or half year. Um, although I guess every year is, but this one in particular. So let's start with, I'll call it the state of community banking. How are you feeling about being a community banker right now? Well, that's easy to answer. I'm optimistic about mm -hmm. the community bank franchise. I'm just mm -hmm. so excited for what we stand for every day in the communities across this nation. Yes. And truly, we have been on a roller coaster since mm -hmm. the failure of large and risky institutions such as Silicon Valley and First Republic and Signature Banks. But we as a community bankers have really used that to truly differentiate who we are mm -hmm. and who we serve and show the world, show the America that we are systemically important to every main street across this country. Yes. And community bankers have certainly been successful in that. We've had over 2,000 news mentions across the country affirming, affirming that community banks are safe and sound and certainly are in no way resemble these large and risky institutions. So uh, I feel great about where we are, where we're positioned to be because of who we serve, and that's Main Street USA. Yeah, that's, that's a great place to jump off. Um, and talking to your, I know you travel the country a ton, and you're meeting with 
your fellow bankers. I'm curious how many, I've, I've had a couple mention it to me, how many of your colleagues have said, I did have big customers calling me. I had other customers that were maybe at other banks calling me and really trying to better understand that difference that you just described. How how pervasive are you seeing that that activity is? Surprisingly small number. So we hmm. had very little deposit flight out of community sure. banks during sure. this, this crisis. Obviously, you had some of your larger deposit customers may have called and just say, hey, am I insured or sure, what, sure. what's the standing or whatnot? And community bankers, because we work with our customers on that one-to-one basis, they trust us. They know mm-hmm. we're in the community. We, we send them at the grocery store, at the football game, at church. Sure. They know we're here for the long haul. So there has certainly been uh, in some of our areas where maybe you're competing directly against a too-big-to-fail firm mm-hmm. uh, that they have a little bit more of that that they have to deal with. But for the most part, I would say it's been a non-issue. We've, we've said it's just been another, another normal day on Main Street for all of our mm-hmm. community banks because mm-hmm. of that one-on-one relationship that we have with our customers. Do you think that we'll see as a national you know, business and even maybe consumer community that people will increasingly, because of what's happened, seems like the awareness is higher. Do you think we're going to continue to see increasing interest from people in knowing what's going on with the underlying institutions that they are banking with more than we have in the last decade or so? We're attempting to recraft that narrative through ICBA. Mm-hmm. We we launched our national campaign during the middle of all of this, which was truly years in the making and vetted to, to help differentiate and to elevate the community banking franchise in the minds of consumers and small businesses by reminding them that where they bank truly does matter. Mm-hmm. And so we're able to use those resources nationwide through our campaign to truly set us apart from too big to fail firms, from credit unions, uh, and just telling the value of the community bank franchise. So obviously you you can't turn on the news every day without some aspect of, mm-hmm. of banking being in the news. So I'm sure that consumers will want to uh, you know have those conversations. And they can have them always with their local community banker. They don't have to, you know, hope to uh, get a call back. They call me, they're going to get the president of the bank. And that's, that's usually right. the way it is at any community banker uh, across this nation. That's right. And and I think that that to me is exciting to think that we'll, we'll return to those kinds of values that I mm-hmm. grew up with. I grew up in a retail family business. We were involved in a community bank. I knew the several of the bank presidents as as I was growing up. And yeah, when people came in to our store, they wanted to often to talk to my dad. And yeah. I, I I get it. And I think that there's something about that, that hopefully we will see a return to more appreciation and, and value in that. If, if a consumer or small business ever experiences that once, that's all it will take. You know, yeah. so uh, those that are banking with large banks and they can't get to the higher ups, you know, try a community bank, go to banklocally.org and find mm-hmm. you a local community bank. And I promise you, they're going to love on you just like I do my customers. Mm-hmm. As just a follow-up, how important do you think it it will become that people understand where the money they deposit in their bank is going, right? If it's If it is in a local community, you know the money primarily moves within that community. Do you think that will become increasingly of interest to people? 
I really do. I think mm. people want to see that they are part of or they're contributing to something bigger than themselves, especially the next generation that we're dealing mm -hmm. with. And there is no better model than the community bank model that truly does that. You know, every dollar that we make here is reinvested back into our local communities. And uh, so there's just nothing any more special than the community bank franchise because of what we all collectively do across this nation of, of building better communities each and every day. Mm -hmm. Well, we had, uh, and you, you were there, we had our annual bank tech summit recently, and we had, you know, well over a hundred people, bankers, uh, bank technology companies. And we talked a lot about how you, you mentioned this a little bit ago, you know, the deposit environment has been not very competitive or, or interesting for a long time because of interest rates. Now it's become competitive so quickly because of the rapid rise in interest rates. What level of of energy are you seeing from your peers and in, in a, a willingness to compete in this environment? Because it, it has become way more competitive, and and obviously we've tried to do some things to create some competing solutions. But you know what what are you hearing from your peers about how to compete in this environment? Well, first of all, it was great to be at the Bank Tech Venture Summit. Uh, oh, I left you. inspired, you know, I mean, you. to see all the solutions that are tailored just for community banks. Mm -hmm. uh, I left and went home, told my peers about it as well. And I believe that all of my peers throughout the community banking sector uh, really are excited about the opportunities that, that, you know, your solutions provide because we've all got core fatigue. Mm. You know, you, it's really tough dealing with our core sometimes. So uh, we've got a unique opportunity to, help, you know, bring best in class solutions mm -hmm. to uh, our community banks using services like yours, using ThinkTech Accelerator that ICDA mm -hmm. uh, powers mm -hmm. there in Atlanta, all of which will help us to, you know, have those best in class uh, technology partnerships, but never losing sight of the relationship that backs it up. And so that's truly the, the best of both worlds for us. And I think that's why community bankers are excited about the future of our industry using fintech-related partnerships to serve our customers better. Yeah, I, I obviously totally agree. I mean, the good thing, too, is that the cost of these kinds of investments continues to come down, mm -hmm. and the value that can be derived can happen much more quickly, right? Gone are the days of an 18-month uh, technology project uh, yeah. in, a, in a community bank. It just it just can't work that way anymore. And I think everyone, to your point, they're fatigued. Uh, the value equation hasn't worked. And the great thing is there are a lot of really compelling entrepreneurs out working on solutions that have that interest and commitment to help community banks to survive and thrive in, in the years Absolutely. ahead. So it's, it's, a great, uh, it's a great time to be right in the middle of it like we both are. I think the great thing that y'all do, you know, we as bankers, we're we're just surviving the day. You're meeting our customers' needs, making mm -hmm. sure the balance sheet is healthy, and y'all are, you know, down the road looking around the curve to see what's coming next. And so it's great to have partnerships like y'all that you can see what's coming and help us, uh, you know, guide and advance our bank forward. Well, we we certainly appreciate it, and you know, I think want to continue to make this tent as big as we can to let as many uh, banks. 
uh, and to participate, just like you mentioned, the ICBA Think Tech Accelerator that that continues to to make that as low friction and and easy to access as possible. So I mentioned, you know, you've been super involved in the ICBA. Uh, I'm sure it's been incredibly valuable for you personally and and, and for your bank. Uh, you know, you mentioned the new campaign that's been launched on on banking locally. As you think about the current priorities that the ICBA has to to support community banks, what what are really those key priorities for the organization? Well, it has been an honor, an absolute honor for me to uh, be able to go through the chairs of ICBA. And ICBA's mission says it all, to create and promote an environment where community banks flourish. And we serve only community banks, so we don't have to worry about having split loyalties with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Our uh, our mission every day is to advance community bank success. And that all starts with differentiating our industry, that we are different than big banks. We are different than credit unions. We're different than farm credit. Mm-hmm. And we want tiered regulations that respects and values that relationship-focused manner of doing business is what really backs up the community banking model. And so some of our priorities, obviously, is uh, deposit insurance reform. You know, mm-hmm. we're not done with that battle. There's a lot of things that are going on out there right now. Uh, we were the only national trade association who advocated for a special assessment exemption for community banks. And so mm-hmm. far, the FDIC has granted that. We got to make make sure that we're making our voice heard on that. To comment that we support that, that we shouldn't have to pay for the sins of those large and risky institutions. And then we've got some pro community banking bills before Congress right now. It begins with the Acre Act, and that's uh, uh, accessing credit in rural opportunity, rural mm-hmm. America, uh, and that would allow us to level the playing field with farm credit and the tax avoidance credit unions. Uh, on a lot of uh, uh, loans that we make uh, on home loans and on farm loans. Uh, we want to close the ILC loophole. That's another one that's really important to us to separate banking and commerce from mixing, getting access to the payment system, uh, Safe Banking Act. You know, cannabis banking is legal and in, uh, in, uh, cannabis is legal in 38 states across this country, but yet you can't bank them legally mm-hmm. because of the federal government. So that's a big priority. And now this clawback bill, uh, that uh, Congress is evaluating if a bank fails, they could call back the compensation on the executive. So those we want to make sure doesn't disproportionately affect community banks' ability to retain and attract talent in the future. Sure. Uh, we're also we're obviously focused on overdraft reforms, the Section 1071 of the Dodd-Frank Act of small business data collection, and again, leveling the playing field and just tiered regulations. That's really, in a nutshell, uh, what we're focused on. And me here in Red Bay, Alabama, I can't do that on my own. And that's mm-hmm. why I've got that team uh, of lobbyists and team members in D.C. that's working for my bank and every community bank across this country every day. And so that's why I'm passionate about ICBA. That's why I'm passionate about what we do to protect the community bank franchise every day. Mm-hmm. Great, great uh, detailed update on priorities. That's super helpful. I don't think it's well understood by people that increasing regulation disproportionately penalizes smaller players in any industry Absolutely. but Absolutely. certainly in banking maybe more than than any other uh and i mean do you see or do you envision a world tiered regulation totally makes sense but do you mm-hmm. envision any world in which things kind of come back to a sense of 
uh, I don't know, letting more market factors help regulate and govern some of these things? Uh, that's what we fight for each and every day, you yeah. know, because let's face it, we've lost around 4,000 some, some odd mm -hmm. community banks since the Great Recession alone, just in sure. a short 10-year period of time. And I take that personally. Mm -hmm. That over-regulation has really led to that. And it may be that, you, you know, smaller banks that you may not have the resources that they think they don't have to mm -hmm. compete. And it's easy just to, you know, call up a consultant. And then next thing you know, the consultant doesn't have the bank's best interest at heart or the communities. They just want to sell it, make a quick buck, right? So uh, we're trying to shift our mindset there as well, just to uh, tell community bankers across this country that we're fighting for you. And, and get in the fight with us so that you can protect your communities. And hey, as long as we're making our voice heard, we're making a difference because there is no one in Washington, D.C. who has a better reputation that is more respected than community bankers. Mm -hmm. And so we just got to keep telling that uh, story. And we've already saw how uh, making that voice heard has allowed us to have tiered regulations, have carve outs, have exemptions. But it won't happen if we don't continue to tell our story. Sure. That's the key. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I mean, the, the other thing that it's really unfortunate in my mind always is it's just not as fun. Right. I mean, business at its core is about people doing business with other people. Yeah. And when these impediments get put in between the people's ability to build high trust, longstanding relationships, it's it's just not nearly as fun. You, you're losing the essence of why we all do this in the first place. You know, I actually have had more fun uh, getting more involved in ICBA, advocating for that Main Street priorities on behalf of my customers, because mm -hmm. most of my customers, they're not members of trade associations. That's right. That's right. They have no voice. So I'm truly, and other community bankers are truly the voice of our customers, making their, their needs heard that we cannot uh, allow regulations to extinguish that relationship that we have with our customers. So we're the first line of defense. And so it truly excites me that I get to act on their behalf. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm still having fun, Kerry, even though it's, uh, sure. it's more frustrating. I'm having fun just helping defend my customers. Yeah, it's, I, I know you do. I mean, and you, you are uh, a quintessential optimist uh, business leader, we need more of you out there for sure, Brad. So that's that's absolutely why, you know, it's inspiring to to have you on, and and uh, it it inspires me to to keep uh, keep showing up every day. So I, I applaud you and appreciate Thank you for you. that. Well, you know, outside of just the ICBA itself, you have this whole kind of ecosystem of of partners as well. I mean, we obviously are one uh, at Bank Tech Ventures. What do you feel like others can do, like us, like others that are partners of the ICBA and uh, trying to advocate for Main Street and more businesses to be successful in our country, small businesses to start, et cetera? What are the things that you feel like we can do to be more helpful to community banks? Well, I think just paying attention to what's facing us as you are right now. You know, your focus up at your summit was on deposit uh, uh, acquisition and deposit retention solutions because that is important to us. You know, we're we're competing not against, not only against the large banks, but we're we're competing against the Amazons and the Apples of the world mm -hmm. that can instantaneously just offer some deposit accounts and suck up 
billions of dollars, as you gave mm-hmm. that example, I believe, while we were up mm-hmm. there. So, uh, you know, we just got guidance yesterday on CRE exposures and working proactively with borrowers. So as your fintech company starts thinking, oh, well, how can I help them work with those borrowers? How can I automate a process that I can get ahead and, and provide solutions for them to monitor CRE exposures uh, in, in real time? Uh, you know, how can I uh, figure out a way to help com- help community banks open up deposit accounts frictionless, you know, just mm-hmm. to maintain those. And obviously, I mentioned a minute ago, Section 1071, we're trying to still get a carve out of that. But that's going to be the, the rule that we've got to live by. And there's a litany of of, of uh, data that we've got to collect from our customers. So we need a solution on how to make that seamless so that we're not putting all that burden on our mm-hmm. customers. We're working mm-hmm. with them. So to me, it's just about paying attention to what's facing us, listening to us when we come to your summits, whenever we go to ICBA's accelerator program. And I think we do it. You know, that's a cool thing that I love about our accelerator program is it's truly vetted by our community bankers to solve mm-hmm. real world pain points and problems that we face. So those things, you know, we both are nimble. We both uh, uh, can work well together to do that, to help provide solutions to our community banks. Well, and it's a good, good, uh, I think, transition to what what one of the other things that I'm I'm curious about is I think about this idea of embracing and managing change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from from where I sit, I look at banking today and say banking's a digital business, right? There still are branches open. There still are people that you know do choose to sort of come into a, a retail experience like that. But the what's even in that retail experience or branch experience is going to continue to change in the years to, to come. And so how how do you work with your peers to think about this, I'll call it next generation of talent, next generation of customers, people who are digitally native, which really is a change. It's a change. Yeah. Like how, how, how does that happen successfully in your mind? Well, this is ironically been a huge topic of mine as I've uh, traveled the country and mm-hmm. that's reminding community banks how important it is for us to stay independent. Mm-hmm. And the only way we can do that is by training up the next generation of mm-hmm. leaders. You probably heard me say community continuator till you're sick of hearing it and others mm-hmm. may have been, but I hope I do make them sick of that because at least it's in their minds that they've got to name who their next community continuator is. Mm-hmm. And most likely it's going to be a next generation leader who comes from a different mindset. They grew up with this in their hand, right? They grew up with uh, their phone in their hand, doing everything on their phone, never balancing a checkbook, Mm -hmm. just looking to see what what the app says that they have. So for me, it begins there. You know, we at ICBA are trying to train up those next generations through our education focus, which is Mm -hmm. one of our primary pillars. Uh, So we're working together with, uh, you know, putting bankers in classrooms and just letting it be known that we want community banking to be a career choice that the next mm-hmm. generation truly does choose. And so that's sure. where it starts is just encouraging them to get involved and, and seek out a career in community banking. And then because of their background, they'll help elevate their their brand. You know, I did it whenever I was here with my team. I took over from my dad in 2011 mm-hmm. and I wanted to always respect the, the the legacy that this old bank had, but I wanted to set forth how we was going to continue to serve our next generation customers. And so any bank can do that. Do you think given the pace of change that we're facing and we we live with, that that means bringing that community continuator 
to the table sooner than maybe the last generation. So instead of applying the traditional kind of apprentice timeframe and approach, maybe thinking a little bit differently about how to include them in that process. Does that make sense? Definitely. Definitely. I think uh, if you've got a star in your organization, you need to get them involved, send them to uh, ICBA's lead forward summit, you know, send them to community bank standard and focus leadership learning and give them a seat at the table, put them mm -hmm. on important committees inside the bank, let them start doing some reports that they report directly to the board so that they're getting the buy-in and they're getting a holistic picture of what running a bank really is, and then giving them a path to success. Because I think that's one thing that we could do a better job on is letting them know that there is a path. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be here forever. You know, you could be one of our next generation if you do this, that, and the other, and, and you know, craft a path for success for them. So you definitely, you know, my dad's generation, it was you show up every day, you're the, you're the first one there, you're the last one to leave, and you know, you work hard, the rest will have to take care of itself if you stick around long enough. Mm -hmm. And so this next generation, I think they want to know that they've got a path forward. Yeah, that insight there is so powerful, I think, Brad, because I don't think that is universally understood yet, but that is super important to tell that story, yeah. uh, particularly to appeal to that next generation to consider community banking, to your point, on being a viable career yeah. path, um, to be even, you know, an employer of consideration, yeah. right? You want to move Absolutely. from at least get that and then becoming an employer of choice is obviously your ideal, but those stories, and I think you're so good at that and and hopefully are inspiring and leading some of your peers out there because telling those stories of, of opportunity and success will be critical. Yes, absolutely. Well, when you talk to your peers about their progress in areas of technology and you know, understanding it in transforming, you know, the, the topic we talk a lot about is digital transformation. How do you feel like they feel about their progress? I think it's a work in progress. I think mm -hmm. we know that we have made great strides. You know, mm -hmm. my dad uh, reminds us of the stories whenever uh, uh, an old chairman of the board said, we'll never have an ATM in this town, <laughs> never. And then, of course, now we've got yeah. one on every corner and they're they're taking deposits and they're taking cash and so on and so forth. So I think we just got to uh, continue to move the ball forward and, and listen to our customers and see you know, what they're asking for. Uh, look at their, you know, digital habits that they mm -hmm. have mm -hmm. and just be nimble. You know, that's what we are as, as community that's bankers. Right. We're already responsive to our needs. We're already nimble and reacting to our customers. So we got to take that same mentality when, when it comes to our fintech and our digital offerings to always keep moving the ball down the field and, and just recognizing how can we serve them better, you know, and, and, and entrench them into uh, our digital platforms, because let's mm -hmm. face it, you know, if you're, I'm trying to, uh, you know, I'm I'm open up a new office here uh, locally, and it's hard to get folks to move unless you just really someone screws up something at the other bank because you got all these automatic deposits, you got you know internet banking, all this kind of stuff. So you can get someone to be really sticky if you do a really good job mm -hmm. of providing digital uh, footprint right there at their fingertips. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and and. I think you you know this, which is you just said is like people generally don't want to have to think about their bank. They just want yeah. it to work in support of their life, their business, et cetera. And if you yeah. embed into that, you're you're going to be there. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And I think, uh, you know, there's been some data that uh, that we have monitored that 73% of consumers believe that companies should understand their unique needs and expectations. Mm-hmm. And 56% think that they should have a personalized service. So with banking with a community bank, you get the best of both worlds, truly, That's because right. you you do have the best in class on the digital footprint plus the relationship to back it up that you, know, you can call us on the weekend and say, hey, my debit card's not working or mm-hmm. my, I can't can't get logged into our internet banking and actually talk to a real live person. And how refreshing is that in these days and times, right. you know? That's right. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I've even speculated that community banks have the, the highest potential to be the most secure because it's human to human interaction and what could be more secure than i definitely know this is brad who is banking with me right now right and that that just gives you a a, a, an advantage over any system that you could create yeah one of the topics that i get a lot of questions from um, your peers is benchmarking where Mm -hmm. they they will say you know carrie can you give me uh, a benchmark. How am I doing? How's our bank doing relative to our peers, or in some cases, relative to where we should be? Yeah. And I feel like that's a difficult question. How do you think about when they ask you, you know, how are we doing, Brad, versus where we should be or others in in a benchmarking that progress? It is a really tough question when it comes to the technology uh, forefront mm-hmm. because it's easy for us to all pull up our UBPRs and see sure. all those old-time metrics of what we're doing. And so really you've got to form relationships with, you know, fintech providers and certainly with our peers. You know, I always encourage folks to get involved in our ThinkTech program, uh, to come to ICBA Live, to form relationships with community bankers across this country. Uh, we've just launched an online community at ICBA where the community bankers can talk to each other mm. uh, about things that are facing each of us uh, to get real-time, you know, feedback on, hey, I'm wanting to do this. You know, what experience have you had there? So it truly just you starts with peer groups, uh, in, in, informal, if mm-hmm. nothing else, just to say, hey, you know, I've, I've launched a new banking app or I'm trying to uh, launch this new uh, deposit account opening software or whatnot, what's your experience, and then, you know, that's kind of where you are. And then on an internal perspective, we always look at the penetration. And that certainly has been a barrier to entry, if you will, of not knowing how how much penetration that our customers are going to use. So we've tried to take it on the mentality of, hey, we didn't know how many would log into internet banking the first mm-hmm. day either or use the deposit taking ATM. But if you build it, they will come, uh, as the old movie says. And so, you know, you just have to, you know, trust your gut deal with peers and then look at that penetration data and then use the marketing of your bank to kind of get that story back out there continually tell of your services because it does become like charlie brown just womp 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 you know sometimes and so you got to keep telling that story of what you're providing and 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 how you can make uh your customer's life easier through your investment and fintech relationships mm-hmm. well let's let's sit talk about a topic that I feel like sometimes seems like it's not as comfortable or, or uh, addressed, which is the boardrooms of, of banks. And I, th- I think it's pretty fair to say that, you know, the, the boards have a mixed amount of relevance and capability when it comes to digital and, and technology topics. What, what sort of encouragement are you giving to 
your peers or even to the boards to the extent you're you're in front of them to say what they should be doing and thinking about from even who's in the boardroom or board training or or things because this is moving probably way way faster than most of them have anticipated and most of them are part-time they're doing other things yeah it's a great point because and you've got a limited amount of time that you're with them to kind of educate them on what is digital assets what is cdbc why mm -hmm. why are we opposed to that and so i think it I, I take it like compliance compliance in our organization we try to make that everyone's job we try mm -hmm. to create a culture of compliance and mm -hmm. so you got to have that same mentality when it comes to your digital footprint with relationship with fintechs is you've got to have uh, everybody's in this game and, you know, continually educating uh, the board of directors of this is uh, the problem that we're facing. This is the solution that we believe that we can bring to market to help us. Uh, and this is why it matters. And so, you know, you got to keep it high enough that, that, that they understand the, the broad picture, uh, but still go deep enough that they understand the why you know mm -hmm. why we're having to make this investment and ultimately how this is going to pay off for the franchise value in the long run so you know selecting uh your next generation of board members is obviously important with that i think it's good to have you know diversity among your board of, of what you're trying to to uh to serve what what segment of the population that you're trying to serve and what experience do those board members bring to the table you know, in this generation, maybe you do need someone that at least uh, knows how to open up their internet banking app and check their balances or whatnot. So uh, it's an ever-evolving uh, situation, but uh, it truly should be management's job to keep the board of directors uh, informed on the importance and why it's relevant. Yeah, great points. I mean, it, it, it like just occurs to me, I go, well, just like we were talking about with, with bringing this next generation talent to the yeah. table sooner, you probably need to bring in potentially digital native board members yeah. sooner than you might think in, in this kind of environment. The, the other thing I, I think about is, is there an experiential uh, requirement or even a test that all board members have to be able to, to pass when, with regard to some of these digital experiences, just so they can actually understand them? You know, I, I don't think I'm going to wade off into that topic. But, uh, uh, they, I mean, they're drinking from a fire hose Absolutely. every day. They come in and, you know, they got such a great fiduciary responsibility. Hats off to all community bank board members across the country that are willing to do it, uh, to, you know, give guidance and feedback and have the, the pulse of the community. Mm -hmm. And they, they do have to, you know, learn by trial and, and error sometimes. But, uh, you know, it's always good to kind of look around and see, Hey, who's using our app? And uh, they also a small business owner, you know. So that that doesn't hurt either, you know. Absolutely. But I don't I don't think I'd want my board to take a test. No offense <laughs> to my board, but uh. uh. So beyond the regulatory challenges, which you know I don't want to underscore, what yeah. else do you see as the biggest threats to community banks in our country? Well. Uh, it all starts with over-regulation for me. You know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, regulation is certainly the, the biggest impediment for the industries to succeed. So we've got to always promote for, you know, tiered and proportionate uh, regulatory sure. environment for us to be able to succeed. So that's number one. Talent recruitment mm -hmm. uh, is number two for me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just making sure, especially in rural areas. I mean, I'm in a very rural community and 
know, I don't have a, uh, I've got, you know, a couple of colleges, but they're two hours away. And so you got to, you know, get to those junior colleges. You got to get to those higher level colleges, mm-hmm. have conversations and, and get bankers before them. You know, in, in Alabama, we've got bankers with barbecue, you know, where that our state association puts mm-hmm. on an event at all the different colleges in the, in regions of the state to just get community bankers before those uh, uh, students just to tell them about mm-hmm. banking, what that's about or whatnot. Really smart. And it, yeah, yeah, it is. It, it just, just helps the, helps the uh, banking uh, field anyway. And then obviously uh, technology is something we've always got to keep embracing and, you know, things do move at the, at the speed of uh, light, it seems like. And so we've got to continue to uh, think in terms of both offense and defense when it comes to those technology offerings that uh, uh, can keep us relevant for the next generation. Does does sort of market ambivalence concern you? I, I have great hope and even optimism that people are going to care more about where their money is going, how it's being used. Um, does apathy or ambivalence concern you at all if if customers just don't care? Uh, I don't. That doesn't concern me uh, when it comes to the community bank franchise because of the relationship mm-hmm. model of business that that starts from the boardroom to the management all the way down to the front line. Everybody really don't bank with community spirit. They bank with a certain teller or a certain CSR or a certain lender. It just yeah. happens to be that they work at community spirit bank, you know. Sure. And so you cannot replace that relationship uh, between us and our customers. And I don't think that, at least in the community bank customer base, mm-hmm. uh, we will ever have to worry about that. They they don't want to be banking directly with the federal government. We saw that yep. with a $600 tracking mechanism that ICBA called attention to nearly two years ago, uh, where they was going to monitor every transaction over $600. They showed right there that they, they are not in favor of the government dealing directly with them. So that... That should mm-hmm. prove that CDBC shouldn't be uh, a priority for the federal government or for the Federal Reserve. And I think they will always want to bank with those that they know and those that they trust. And that's community banker. Yeah, I think you're right. The, 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 and they'll self-select, right? Yeah. The, the people who, yeah, if, if they don't value that, they they probably will, will accept uh, a suboptimal relationship experience. Yes. And so I, I think that that totally makes sense. Well, let's talk a little bit about your bank specifically. I mean, you, you are uh, a somewhat traditional community bank. And, you know, I, I'm amazed, as I said earlier, you know, you are, uh, I feel like a traveler globally, but also uh, very still active in your community and how you manage that. Uh, I'm always amazed. But you also are recognizing the changes that are happening, you know, expectations and needs. So as you lay out a vision for the future of your bank, what what is that? And then how is that driving your strategy specifically? Well, our bank was founded on June 11th, 1908, 115 mm-hmm. years ago Amazing. this month. Amazing. Uh, and, you know, I'm certainly proud to stand on the shoulders of many giants who mm-hmm. have led this organization, who have been a part of this organization is what I believe we have been a source of light and encouragement and support for the communities in which we serve. Mm-hmm. And when I, uh, you know, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, when I assumed uh, the role of CEO and succeeded my dad in 2011, we were about 100 million in assets, a small rural community bank. We still are. We're just 190 million dollars in mm-hmm. assets now. And so I've tried to uh, always 
keep moving the ball forward and keep looking to how we could serve our customers more effectively because it it means nothing to be 115 years old if you're no longer relevant to mm-hmm. to your customer base. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, implementing digital signatures during the pandemic quicker than we wanted it. But now most of my consumer and small business loans, the customer never walks in this bank. They text me, hey, I need such and such. I'm buying a dozer. I'm buying a skitter. I'm buying a whatever. You know, we fix the paperwork up. We send it to their email. They sign it digitally. It's funded. It's deposited in their account. And they're a satisfied customer. They, they're they happy. Come in. They're probably happier. They're happy. That's yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. And so 10 years ago, that would have that would have been foreign to us. We would have thought, no, that, that can't happen. There's too many risks. There's too much that can go wrong with that. But that's the new normal, and I'm excited for that. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I always want to just keep moving the bank forward in that regard, I always with a focus on the customer. And I truly try to live by, and my team does well, that we're going to always be accessible, accountable, and responsive to our customers' needs. That's how I try to do my ICBA journey with our members. I want to be the same to, to all of our employees. You know, I, I don't have an employee. Rebecca manages all of our employees, but, you know, I wanted them to know that, hey, I'm here for you as well, mm-hmm. and our members are here for you. So uh, that's the thing that I never want to lose sight of, uh, just to always keep trying to serve our customers with the best of our ability and always be accessible to them uh, and certainly accountable to them as well. So I'm proud of our heritage, but I'm also looking to the future to make sure that we're here for the next 115 years and that the third and fourth generations of you know my family mm-hmm. or other other families here are a part of this bank because we are 58% ESOP owned and controlled. Amazing. We'll you know, continue to make sure that this bank is independent for the communities in which we serve. Because there's nothing better than local people making local decisions to benefit local people. Mm-hmm. Well, on, on that topic, Brad, you know, you talk about the communities that you serve. Um, you know, historically, community has been a very physical, geographic type. You know, we're, we now have a much more digital world, and and I'm not sure. You know, your bank, and I'm not sure I would encourage any bank to be delving into the metaverse yet. But as you think about community and that word and defining what that means for you, anything you see, you know, whether it's the same going forward or different in how you might define that in your bank's future? I think it all still comes back to a relationship tie to the community. You know, I'm banking people who are living in Birmingham or who live Mm -hmm. in Chattanooga, Tennessee but their families are from here. They okay. they grew up here. They trust us. And so now from a, you know, through the use of digital uh, mm-hmm. technologies, I'm able to bank those people. Sure. I'm able to keep loaning them money. So I think at the end of the day, though, community to me is still that close-knit mm-hmm. people that we live, work, and play with uh, yeah. and worship with here in our, our local uh, area. So, you know, I can't envision my bank ever, you know, uh, taking deposits on a grand scale from someone that's six states away, but that's just me. That's just my bank's philosophy mm-hmm. of sure. what we, we believe community is, and it is just, you know, local people. Yeah, which, you know, I think the to me, it's about the clarity is yeah. the most important thing. And to your point, somebody who, uh, you know, maybe 15 or 20 years ago, if they moved to Chattanooga, they probably were going to have to sever ties with you and go to a different bank. Now they don't have to. And so they can still 
remain with you. They can still get all the services they need and still be part of that extended family. And I feel like that that is expanding the community uh, in a different way than you could have uh, in a prior era. Absolutely. I think it does come down to where was the relationship originally fostered? And, you know, uh, it, it allows us we're in we're in 13 area schools using financial literacy. We've got two in school branches. And so those kids that are banking at our in school branches, you know, they're going to go on to do something else for their life, whether they stay here mm -hmm. or they go go mm -hmm. off. And that is the cool thing that they still get to bank with their local community bank, regardless of where they wind up in this world. That's right. That's right. That's super cool. That's it super is. cool. And I, that's a unique opportunity you have um, to meet them first. Absolutely. Well, let's let's finish today. I want to talk a little bit about you. You know, you're a banker for sure, but also yeah. so much more. And that's come out in, in our conversation. What What do you sort of lean on as your other primary interests to help keep you well-rounded? Well, everything starts with my faith. Um, you know, I, I'm, you know, everything, everything begins with that. That's where my mm -hmm. worldview is, is based on my uh, faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And so if I keep that as the foremost, everything else takes care of itself. You know, mm -hmm. family being right behind that, uh, because the first guards the second. Uh, you know, I hadn't always done a great job of managing both of those well, because we're all balanced in a, a, a lot of balls in our hair. Uh, but, uh, that is what my priorities aspire to be anyway. Mm -hmm. And that keeps me grounded. It keeps me, uh, you know, looking at my why. You hear, mm -hmm. what's your why? Well, those are my why. You know, it comes back to the bank as well. You know, this is a great family that I, I get to be a part of here. And, and you know, I truly believe that we as this bank are soft and light for the communities in which we serve and uh, can be a sense of encouragement to those who have no hope, those who are down and, and and you know need a friend their mm -hmm. local community banker is there for them and so uh those things kind of uh, keep me grounded so i love to cook for my family that's my yeah. favorite pastime is gathering awesome. everybody around uh cooking for them i had my first grandbaby that was born last december so uh, that has put a new focus on family even higher escalation and mm -hmm. i'm trying to sneak out of here uh maybe some afternoons to go uh play with her and the dogs and then maybe I still wind back up here at the bank at night sometimes to finish up, but everything comes back to family, man. And that's, that's where, uh, uh, everything revolves and truly this journey of being the ICBA chairman and going through the chairs, it's allowed me to have a even greater family across this nation. Mm. And no matter where I went, I found community bankers are just like me. They're serving mm. their customers one relationship at a time. They're trying to do the best for their community, for their bank, for their families, and, you know, they're accountable to all of them. And so that's what inspired me the most, you know, as I traveled across the country was they're just like me. They're just in a different part of the country, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's just who I am, and I'm just so grateful to have had this opportunity. So much wisdom there, Brad. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Any, um, I, I feel like I picked up a couple, but any habits that you sort of keep at the front of your your mind that you focus on in in kind of your personal development and leadership that you you encourage others who maybe ask you know, how did how did you get here how do you maintain this this pace and this energy that you have 
I wish I could tell you I read all these books, but I, I hate to read. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I read so much. Regulation I, I, I appreciate <laughs> that greatly. Yes. So that's why I love podcasts. I, I'm mm-hmm. able to listen to podcasts, leaderships, listen to two or three sermons from different mm-hmm. preachers across the country. Uh, and so what, what truly keeps me uh, awake and involved is just balancing all these things against my worldview. You know, when I got involved in ICUA, I was, uh, you know, I, I'm 46 now, so uh, I was uh, around 35 back in 2011, and I went to my first national convention as an adult, and I was blown away mm. at the energy, at the excitement. We were just coming out of the Great Recession. There was still a lot of overreach of the government that was coming in, trying to mm-hmm. react again to big bank and big bank problems, and you know, I did. I took it personally, and I came home, and I wanted to just do my part to speak up. And so I was just a, a willing servant of the industry and just kept raising my hand saying, hey, I, I'd like to get involved in that. And that's one thing that I would encourage community banks to do. We as ICBA don't know you want to get we don't know you want to get involved unless you raise your hand or just mm-hmm. you know start showing up to events. And so that's really what I, I did. I just started pouring everything I had mm. into community banking. And so ICBA gave me other opportunities to serve during that time. And. You know, this to stars align, and I always attribute that the Lord opened doors and He closed doors, and He He allowed for uh, me to go through the chairs and to have that platform, to have that opportunity, and and I truly just tried to be a source of encouragement to community bankers across the country. That if a rural country boy from Northwest Alabama <laughs> who's got an accent that sometimes it's hard to understand can do this, then anybody across this country has the same opportunity. It just takes passion. It takes heart. It takes respect for who we are as community bankers and what we do every day is protecting Main Street America. And so I even say I just I love it. I've enjoyed my time. And I hope that somewhere along the road over these last few years that someone was in the audience that felt the same way I did when I left that convention in 2011 that, man, I want to be a part of that. And I want to do my part to speak up and to protect this industry. And let's face it, there has never been a greater time to speak up and to protect our industry than right now. Mm-hmm. We cannot afford to let 10 banks control every aspect of our life. And the community bank franchise, which is unique to only America, is the only thing keeping that from happening. So from that alone, we've all got to just keep making our voices heard to protect who we are and what we hold so dear. So that was a long answer, Kerry, but yeah. uh, that's just, that's me, man. Well, I, I appreciate it. And I mean, there, there's a lot of gold to pull out of there. Well, you know, <laughs> raising your hand, that is not yeah. a, something that everybody does. Showing up is not something yeah. that everybody does. Servant mindedness is not something. So, so great. And I am very confident that you have, unlocked and inspired many in your travels uh, over the last couple of years, Brad, to to follow in your footsteps. So uh, really, really appreciate that answer. Uh, Final question, because I'm just super curious um, from the guy from uh, Red Bay, Alabama, what would you say have been the favorite two places you visited over the last couple of years in all? And I, you know, I'm putting you on the spot. I know, but <laughs> but what would you, you say are your top couple? Oh, man, I, there's been so many great ones mm-hmm. because I'm I'm visiting with the greatest people on earth, community bankers, everywhere I go. Uh, one that sticks out is always the Montana Independent Community Bankers. Mm. Uh, but 
they have that tenacious independent spirit there's only like you know 30 or 40 of them that is that is still independent but they are thriving man they are doing everything they can to stay independent they relevant for their customers mm-hmm. of course i got to go to glacier national park while i was up there too which was cool. unbelievably beautiful would go back again and then if i put a uh, number two it would be when i was with the community bankers of oklahoma and one of the reasons there is because I got to meet with their young bankers board. And as I told mm-hmm. you, I was been trying to, you know, rev up that next generation of leaders. And if I had one regret during this journey, it was not asking to meet with every young bankers board at every state that I went to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because I got to do that with those folks and just have a one-on-one, it meant something to them because you, you had a national leader from the national association that was wanting to meet with them. And for me, I was just inspired by the work that they were doing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those are the two things that really stands out uh, of my time across the travel. But it was it was all just unbelievable. We were welcomed with open arms from the community bankers across this country. I will always treasure, treasure my time on the road. It was just phenomenal and unbelievable. And so thankful for how everyone treated us. I'm sure just an amazing experience maybe except for some of the flight delays as i've had those recently but absent that it, it, what a great experience and brad thank you so much for sharing that and sharing your your very clear passion for community banking and thank you for all you do for for this industry that you know you you and i both agree is so critically important to our financial system and our economy and everything that makes America, you know, as unique as it is in in this world. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for the partnership that you have. Absolutely. Hey, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to uh, have this time to share my experience and uh, just look forward to years down the road here and other community bankers who went through this same journey and that we're all still working together for community bank success because that's the most important thing. And thank you all for what you're, you're doing to help our community bank succeed. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Operate Podcast. If you like this conversation, as a favor to me, you can rate us, review us, or subscribe, or tell your friends. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Operate Podcast. Until next week, get out there and operate.